0: This is Ziegler Show 428, a question and answer session responding to Ziegler Show listener inquiries. And I brought a special guest on to help cover them with me. Here's an excerpt.
1: Most of us deal with interruptions all day long, five days a week in our work week. We never really go deep. I do. I go deep. That means I am struggling. It's like the Caterpillar trying to get out of the cocoon and turn into a butterfly. I mean, it's that kind of struggle to produce something that matters, to research, to think, to talk, you know, to go deep in what I do. That's the only way I'm going to produce something of value. Is it easy? Well, we almost have to get into the definition of easy. Is it something, I mean, work is only work if, it, if you'd rather be doing something else. So in that sense, I'm never working because huh. I want to do what I'm doing.
0: I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Take it
1: now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just have enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Kevin Miller, your host of The Ziggler Show. In show 424, we heard from Zig Ziegler and discussed the health of responding versus reacting, and I invited questions on that topic uh, we got a lot of questions on it actually, but it also generated a bunch of other great questions on real life issues that we cover here on the Ziegler show regarding how do I really inspire my true performance, me in my life. So we had questions from personal development to some business development, and we ended up covering some significant issues. Uh, one of them that I want to pull out really questioned the aspect of positive thinking and always being optimistic. Is it just being stoic and unemotional and an unrealistic robot or Pollyanna persona, uh, which the motivation inspirational industry sometimes gets flack for? So we dive into that. And then, folks, near the end of the show, we get into the issue of work you love, working at your passions, and that's where the excerpt I started out with came from. And I think it's going to shed some light on that topic that you won't have heard before that will be very reassuring and freeing for Most of you. So my guest today who gave that opening excerpt folks, that was Dan Miller, bestselling author of many books, but most acclaimed for 48 days to the work, You work, you love. He's the go-to guy on career issues for Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt, and a host of influential people that you will well know of. If you don't know him or subscribe to his top ranked business podcast, 48 days, find him. Now you can type 48 days into iTunes or Stitcher uh, or go to 48days.com to connect with them there. Now, as you'll hear in the show, I often refer to him as dad because he's my dad. And a lot of you guys listening know that he's a frequent guest and interviewee here on The Ziggler Show. He raised me on Ziggler and is a big reason why I am here today hosting the show for you. Folks, if today's topic spark questions, concerns, ideas, debate, email us. As these dear folks in the show that we cover today did, email us at ask at zigshow.com ask at zigshow.com or visit ask.zigshow.com. All right, then folks, here is our Q and a session with special guest host, Dan Miller. So dad, here we are to address questions sent in by Ziegler show listeners that range from personal development success to business success, but, uh, I wanted to ask you what's an area of personal development you've recently been pursuing growth in and, and how, like, what have you been, what resources are you going after for that?
1: Wow. One of the big areas I'm working on is physical. You know, I've always been blessed with pretty good health. Um, matter of fact, just applied for a term insurance policy. And at my age, that's kind of difficult to get, but it was no problem at all the young agent that I worked with. Well, financial planner said he seldom sees somebody in my rating category at any age, but I had the absolute top rating. So it was easy to get low premiums, pretty cool. But I'm real intentional about that because about a year ago, I thought I was experiencing burnout. And I thought, man, I'm the guy that talks about work you love. How could I possibly be experiencing burnout? But I had a lot of the physical symptoms of that. But in working with nutritionist and a couple of doc friends and the gals at Whole Foods, you know, everybody who has expertise in that, I realized there were really some physical things going on where just with some simple supplements and paying attention to some eating habits, I was able to make just dramatic transformation. I'm feeling so much better, sleeping better. For one thing, my sleep was disrupted a lot and I couldn't understand why, but I've gotten on top of that. So working with a nutritionist, but I'm very intentional about that because I think that it's hard to be effective in business, especially as a coach or writer speaker, when I'm struggling physically. And I don't intend to do that. I intend to stay peak performance for a very long time. Okay. So I'm curious on that
0: because, uh, so you are, I forget you're about to turn 70, right?
1: (laughs) I'm closer to 70 than any other number. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Great. Um, So in that, you know, looking at things that you've done through your life, whether diet and exercise and nutrition and relationships and all these things that, that uh, add up to your health and wellness. And of course, in doing some of the work that I'm doing in the health industry right now, I see people of all ages. It's amazing to see the differences in them where, you know, give or take 20 years, either way, they look 10 years younger or 10, look 10 years older based on lifestyle choices and things of that. But on the, as we were here at the Ziegler show talking about inspiration, I wonder about that. There's a classic uh, viral picture that's been floating around for years. Don't know how even legitimate it is, but I still appreciate the spirit of it where it shows this, I think she was a lady that was 60, 70, something like that. She's a health advocate, vegan, all this stuff does not look enticing and then it shows it's comparing her to uh some some lady that people probably know her name i don't remember what it is but she's a a talk show host something like that and is big into you know chocolate and wine and whatever looks like a million bucks and (laughs) you know and to some degree the discussion where i saw that it was talking about you know you can do all these things to add up to health and wellness but how much does inspiration and joy and like you're talking about you're the guy that's Let's talk about how much does that play into your health and wellness outside of even the specifics of, did you eat correctly,
1: exercise correctly, yada, 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 yada. Oh, I think it's major. I think mindset and attitude has a major, major impact on our health and wellness. I want it all. I don't want to just choose part of the equation. I want the whole deal. So if I can add a little edge with diet and nutrition and supplements, man, I'm going to do it. If I can get a little more edge with yoga or with meditation tapes that I listen to, I'm going to do that. If I can, you know, eat better, if I can, whatever it is that I can do, if I, you know, hitting the treadmill four times a week, I mean, I look for all those things and how they can help. Now, this is not, you know, I didn't divert my entire attention to that. I'm not spending eight hours a day just working that. But I'm conscious of it all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mindset is part of that. But even, even like paying attention to my body, if I am sleepy, I sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are a few days where I do not take a nap. But then I'm more alert at 4 o'clock in the afternoon than most people I know. Yeah. So I just pay attention to my body, listen to my body. And this is a very individualized process. I, I think it's tough to just have a cookie cutter plan for everybody. Yep. But fortunately, I've got some real good advisors working with me that we've done DNA testing. We've done adrenal stress testing. Those are things that are very specific to me. Those aren't some off-the-shelf process, you know, that we hope works. Let us know how it goes. Mm-hmm. No, know, these are things that we very specifically addressed my needs, my chemical, you know, s- solutions, the things that I have in my body and created an individual plan. And it's, it's just been, it's worked wonders. It's like, it's one of those, you know, V8 moment. It's like, why didn't I do this 10 years, 10 years ago? Yeah. But there were just those little patterns. I thought I was doing okay, but with a little bit of a wake up call, I realized there was so much more that I could do. So I've been real intentional physically.
0: Well, I love your focus there on getting counsel that our needs are individual. I think we look for those Everybody's looking for the magic bullet, the step-by-step process, and there are good things out there. Obviously, we'll talk about some today, I'm sure, some resources. And and as we dive into the questions here, hopefully we can give some good counsel guidance, at least ask some questions or, or lead you to some questions, folks, that you might ask. But uh, as you'll hear with people like my dad right there and other people who are leading and influencing and inspiring others, they, without, I I, I think, without uh, fail, seek Council, they go after and do that. So uh as we talk about this, you need to think about where you can go get individual help. Well, hey, let's dive in then, Dad. Uh, first question here from Matthew Kimball. Now, and and for context here, we did a recent show. I talked about it in the intro where we talked about it was a zig clip talking about reacting and responding. So the first, I think, three or four questions or issues. I'm going to give some focus to that, that aspect. That's what our questions are are around reacting first versus responding. But then we do get into some literal business questions and some things like that. So Matthew says in regards to the react versus respond, how do I learn to not become so emotionally involved in any situation so as to respond healthily and not just react? Simple
1: question, big question, but It, it, yeah, it, if you know, your tendency is to react, to say something spontaneously. I mean, I was with a lady recently who has pretty high profile out there, and I thought, my gosh, this gal has no filter between Mm. her brain and her mouth. Anything (laughs) that comes into her head comes out of her mouth. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Slow down, filter some of that. But if you know that's your tendency, I mean, that's half of the solution with most things. I would encourage you, count to seven before you respond. That's not a real long time. Be comfortable with silence. A question asked of you does not have to be answered instantly. And if it's something that really challenges you or you are wanting to make sure you frame it properly, count to seven. Just slow down a little bit. And really that's one of the distinctive distinctions between react and respond. React implies you just do something instantly. Boom. All automatically just whatever comes to mind, whereas respond is more thoughtful. You take a little time. So giving yourself a little bit of time, I mean, there there's sometimes when I have an email comes in, like an angry email that comes in, man, I know what I'm going to respond. Boom, boom, I can knock that sucker out right now, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I purposely wait until the next day, give it 24 hours. And a lot of times my perspective changes. A lot of times I may choose not to respond to it at all.
0: Okay, I'm going to let's dig in there. I got a question on what you said, but I'm going to read another one uh, that will help us get a little deeper. This is from John uh, Corston in Illinois. He says, I struggle with this issue mightily. I tend to be emotional and react due to being a perfectionist, and it can be damaging to my family. Uh, what are some tools to becoming more responsive in my life and even in my sales uh, career? How can I make Lemonade with dealt lemons. How can I avoid holding on to negativity? Love the show. It's a game changer. Thanks for for that, John. But so digging in a little deeper to, I love that dad, giving it some time. But when, I mean, this guy's talking about negativity
1: and uh, being a perfectionist and being emotional. Yeah. Well, being a perfectionist, can be a real asset, but anything that we have as a characteristic, if overused, can become a negative. So when we look at like the different personality styles, we use the disc here. So dominance, influence, and steadiness, compliance. And what he's talking about is compliance. That would be somebody who's a perfectionist. But there can be a tendency to be seen as a wet blanket. If I say, hey, next Sunday after church, let's all get together and we're going to play volleyball outside. This person may say, well, what if it rains? You know, and immediately kind of put a damper on the whole thing. Just recognizing, again, a tendency to do that, slow down a little bit in being able to see the fatal flaw. Perfectionists are able to do that. They're able to see why something won't work, but that's discouraging to people to hear that right off the bat. So resist the tendency to just point out why something won't work, why it's not realistic, why it's not a good idea, and just engage the person in conversation. The person you're talking to may come to the same conclusion themselves, but it feels a whole lot different if they come to the conclusion rather than you just quickly pointing it out.
0: Okay, well, on this issue, Dad, and I'm going to, I'm obviously, I've kind of, I've kind of staged these questions along here. So he's talking about the emotional aspect. I want to hit this, and this is uh, I, what I'm going to do is play a quick recording. We had a, a a guy, I think he says his name here, and I apologize, folks, I did not, I forgot to test the, the volume here, so hopefully I'm going to get the uh, get the volume right here, and I will um, play this. It's a quick sentence, and then I'm going to dig in with it. Hold on, just a second.
1: Kelvin White, age fifty-five, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I wonder what Zig would think of stoicism. Uh, in practical terms, the Tim Ferriss view or the Ryan Holiday view of, of stoicism and stoic practice.
0: Okay, brief statement there, it's talking about stoicism. And initially, I thought, okay, that's a little odd. I, and I, I mean, we have lots of questions, and I call them out, but. I uh, did, as you talked about, instead of reacting right away, I, I took a minute and thought about it. I thought, you know, that's an interesting question here on the Ziegler show in, uh, in reference to Zig Ziegler. And uh, I mean, it's a, a relevant issue, I think, into the aspect of positive thinking. So here, let me set up my thoughts, dad, and see what you think. I, I actually looked up this, the definition of stoicism, as I often do. It says the quality or behavior of a person who accepts what happens without complaining or showing emotion. Uh, Second definition, indifference to pain or pleasure. And again, I'm taking this in the light of Zig's perspective of always being positive, of always looking on the bright side, of always seeking the optimistic, faithful approach to everything in life. Of course, he's well known for the quote, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking. So stoicism, though, I can't say I would ever label Zig as a stoic Again, though, I think it's a valid question that could be put along also the idea of being Pollyanna, which definition there, folks, is a person characterized by irrepressible optimism and a tendency to find good in everything. In my family, we tend to make fun of that when you don't really take something serious and you're just Pollyanna about it. So, that thoughts on reconciling this question on positivity, the Ziegler message of positivity and optimism with There are realities of somebody grappling with that in the realm of Stoicism and and I'd say Pollyannaism even.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure I want to put all those in the same bucket. I know.
0: I thought I'd load that for you. (laughs) Don't just react. Respond. You can take a minute. There
1: you go. I'll count to seven. (laughs) Okay.
0: While Dan counts to seven before he responds, I want to thank Zip Recruiter for their support of this episode of The Ziggler Show. We've got a lot of business owners in The Ziggler audience. And if you own or run a business, you have to hire and find quality team members. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place just is not enough to find Quality candidates today. I know I've gone through that hassle. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to a hundred plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, Ziggler listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. By going to ziprecruiter.com/slash/free trial. That's
1: ziprecruiter.com/slash/free trial. Well, I think there's a really a close alignment with Zig's positive thinking and stoicism. Now, stoicism, especially the voice of your caller there, it implies somebody who you know just kind of level, no matter what. Boom, things are going to be okay. Well, there is that quality to Stoicism and traditionally, historically, you know, Stoicism implies that you don't complain about pain or a pebble in your shoe or an obstacle. And I think that Zig would take that same approach rather than just getting bogged down with that. All right. What can I do because of that? How can I turn this into to lemonade and in that sense and especially in the way that Tim Ferriss talks about it, I think there's a real alignment I don't I don't think there's any kind of uh, you know conflict there at all I personally really like it I find myself being drawn to stoicism more and more and zen philosophy which is kind of that same kind of thing but You know, not just this is not just a case or asura, you know, whatever be, you know, so my tire went flat. Well, I'm just going to get out and let the car sit there and just walk instead. That's not what it means at all. If your tire goes flat, sure, you fix it. But uh, one of the ways that I like to frame this that kind of combines Zig's philosophy and stoicism is a phrase that I learned from our good friend, Michael Hyatt's wife, Gail where when something happens, she says, what does this make possible? And I find myself a lot of times, if it is something unexpected or unwelcome, asking that question, okay, I didn't expect that, I didn't want that, this seems to be counter to what I was choosing to accomplish, but what does this make possible? And a lot of times that question opens up some new possibilities. I just talked to a a lady today, a young gal who had been to one of our events recently, And two days after being here, she got fired from her job very unexpectedly, a government position that she thought was totally secure. Well, she really freaked out. And I was like, Annie, you know better than this. You know what to do. What does this make possible? Well, I just got a note from her that in 46 days— Uh, Beat my 48 a little bit in 46 days. She got two job offers on the same day. The position she took is in a much better organization, higher pay. She gets to speak Spanish half the day, which she absolutely loves. She's thrilled. It's like, wow, this would have never come into view had she not gone through that unfortunate experience of being fired. And I think that's really what stoicism is implying, is when something happens, how can we continue in a positive path rather than being derailed?
0: And buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, it's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. yahoofinance.com. dot com. pulled this out or allowed this question to come through. Cause I thought it was important. I do think people struggle and you know that dad, I mean, there's, there's lots of debate and uh, pot shots thrown at the whole positivity, you know, inspiration, motivation movement. And I think this is one of the reasons, because if you do really go far on that side of stoicism, Pollyannaism uh, well, and I'll pull, I'll pull the, out of that definition that we said, it said um, uh, indifference to pain or pleasure. And I thought, well, okay. So to be candid, my wife, who, you know, is a very emotional person. She's Mm -hmm. emotionally expressive. And when something negative happens, she is going to feel it. She is going to voice it. And sometimes she may go too far in that area. It's not a comfortable area for me yet on the other side, she is also very emotional, expressive on the positive, which I love. And she says, (laughs) okay, honey, if you want to dull my negative side, do you also want to dull the positive? Well, oh my uh huh. I no, <laughs> I don't. I I don't. You know. So there's some balance, and when you look at Zig, I mean, that was an emotional dude. I mean, he cried. He whooped and hollered. Reminds me of of uh, your old best friend, Jerry Hall. I love going fishing with that guy because I get a fish on and I'm just thinking about it. I don't say anything. He gets one on. He is whooping and hollering. And you love it. How can you not love that? <laughs> That's not stoicism and it's not, you know, and on the side of being Pollyanna type, you know, not, not uh, showing any expressive expression to negativity. I know that for myself, I have had to walk through some deep issues there of where I don't allow myself to feel things. And it's not always benign. And I'm going back and it's not to go wallow in it, but to go, you know what? That made me angry. I need to feel that that's relevant. Now I don't want to walk forward in that. I do want to turn that around. How can I redeem this? Uh, and so I, again, that's why I felt like this is, this is not just to the Ziegler message, but to the optimism, positivity, uh, inspiration, motivational movement. We also want to be real and authentic and to just, I don't want a robot. I don't want to be a robot Um, And so, okay. So that said, we all get, I think we are, we're all, I would, I would expect everybody's tracking there, but is there some issues there where we, you know, don't want to go too far on the negative side, but we don't want to uh, dull the positive side either. So can we have just one without the other? Probably
1: not. But that being said, you know, we, we don't want to just create robots or people who are just non-responsive. I mean, that wouldn't be any fun at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in even in doing a podcast, if you just spoke in the same kind of monotone voice all the time, you would not have the listeners that you do. I mean, we know that even there, you know, inflection is something that you learn. Yeah. And you can learn how to be positive in your responses and to show joy. I mean, with little kids, I mean, they tend to show it really well. And we, we tend to develop personalities that are going to be some way indicative of how much we show pain or happiness and joy. And I think we just need to accept that. I don't think there's any one right cookie cutter way that we're all tending that we all want to be. But again, going back to stoicism, I don't like to think of it in terms of that it just kind of mutes us. You know, we don't have a lobotomy where you no longer have an emotional response to anything, but rather the idea of living in harmony with what's happening around us. That's the way that I view Stoicism. So that it doesn't throw us off or derail us when something happens. Mm-hmm. We can figure out a way around or through that regardless. To me, that's a very positive view of stoicism. You know, I don't want it to be something that just blunts us so, and makes us robots.
0: Well, so is that a, a, a healthy a definition of stoicism to where something negative happens? It's not completely just nullifying that or pretending like it didn't happen. Say, like, you know what? That stinks. I just wrecked my new vet. I, I'm yeah. not happy about that. That is a disappointing thing, especially if I don't have insurance, that's going to set me back. Now, am I going to let that overcome me? No, but, but to be authentic and say that, that stinks. And I think, oh, well, and I was thinking about this going back to, to, to my wife, you know, how many women, if we look at movies and stories, how many women want a stoic guy and nothing moves them, not positive or, or negative. I don't think anybody desires that in a, in a spouse or a relationship. We want somebody who's sensitive to our own pains and our own joys. And I think we want to see that. But in a healthy way. You agree?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just this week, I took your mother, my wife, to the airport to fly down to Hilton Head Island. She was so excited. She so needs a week in the sun. She flew, her first stop was in Charlotte, and then she was waiting on her plane from Charlotte to Savannah. While she was on the ground in Charlotte, she talked to her sister who lives on Hilton Head Island, and she said the governor has just declared a state of emergency because of the hurricane, and the island is to be totally evacuated by 3 o'clock oh, no. the next day. Goodness. She called me, you know, what should I do? You know, I guess I'm just going to go on and try to figure I said, you don't want to go on, get there in time to drive inland and find a hotel to stay in. Don't get on the flight. Don't get on the flight. Well, her bag was already on the flight and the flight was pulling out of the gate. And I said, don't get on the flight, get a flight and come back to Nashville. She was dreadfully disappointed Mm. by not having that. But guess what? Now she has an entire week, nothing planned, nothing on her schedule. Nobody's expecting her to be here, no commitments. And she has an entire week to read, to think, to blog to get ahead on some stuff. So she just had to reframe that experience. I mean, that's a stoic experience. Was she upset? Absolutely. Visibly upset. really hard for her. So it wasn't like, oh, this is no big deal. But in reframing that, okay, what direction am I going to go that turns this into something positive rather than wallowing in the negativity of it? Goodness. Okay. You know, folks, I mean, this
0: is a big, this is a big issue uh, among the topics that we talk about here in the Ziggler show. I think this piece is, is probably a foundational question to a lot of people. If you've got further questions on that, please feel free to send them to us. You can email at ask at zigshow.com, um, Or you can uh, go to the website. If you want to record one, like our, our friend just did a minute ago, you can go to, um, ask.zigshow.com. Uh, and I'd be happy to talk about this further, uh, with you guys and, um, and, and round this out. If you've got some, some more there, uh, this is one, one last question on this that I thought was relevant. And then I want to flip to a, a different topic. Uh, we got a gentleman who said, "Such truth here. Besides recommending this specific podcast to your spouse, what other ways can you encourage the responding versus reacting mindset to a spouse?" And I would, for those listening, put you could put in there a friend, a family member, whatever who you see reacting in most circumstances in life. Finding ways to encourage and build them up instead of them feeling belittled or disrespected in this area. I don't. Uh, he says, "I don't want to lose the trust that was also talked about." in the, uh, in the episode. And, you know, dad, I'll get your input on there on how to, you know, give this perspective to somebody else. I understand that question. You I know, mean, my first thought just from a, a tactic, uh, was to tell your spouse for this guy specifically, tell your spouse about the show and what you thought about. Uh, if she could, she'd listen, that'd be great. But if not, just be vulnerable and authentic and ask, how do you see me in this area? Let her give input to you. Maybe that will open the door for her being interested in asking, uh, about herself as well. But, uh, dad, what were your thoughts on that before Dan chimes in here? I want to thank another sponsor of today's Ziegler show brain tree. For those of you who do business online, which is pretty much anyone who does business. You probably remember the first dollar you made online Now you want to grow to make your 100,000th or your millionth dollar and you need the right payments partner to grow with you. One that is an expert at helping people complete the transaction and not suffer shopping cart fallout, which is far more than we ever realize or want to accept as business owners. Braintree lets you accept every way to pay from PayPal to Apple Pay and everything in between all it takes is one simple integration. It doesn't matter what currency your customers use because Braintree lets you accept over 130 of them. To learn more about how your company can grow with Braintree, visit braintreepayments.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's braintreepayments.com slash Ziggler.
1: Yeah, no I think you I think you've addressed it real well there but the number one thing would be to be a great example. Be a great example of listening considerately but then asking questions. Sure, you can certainly do that if the other person is open. I often um even with your mom, you know, our personalities are very different, but I'll read her a paragraph in a book that I'm reading and just say, "What do you think about that?" Where hmm. it may address something that I really want to discuss with her. And I do that a lot or listen to a little clip or watch a a little piece on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. So I'm doing a lot of sharing where it's third party input rather than me directly saying you should do this or it annoys the crap out of me when you do that. You know, that I don't do. But if I can bring into the conversation, you know, here's a new way to look at personalities. How would you describe me in this and where would you see yourself? Those really open the door for those gentle conversations it helps everybody see themselves you know in perhaps a, a more positive light hey that's that's an area that
0: I struggle with I am more tempted to read something hear something it inspires me I have some thoughts and I and I go and share my thoughts hey I read this and this is what I think yada yada yada, and yet I don't ask. That advice. And on the other side, I, I love to be asked my own advice on how I, th- what I sure. think about something. Um, so this is, I, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe it's a cultural thing. We tend to share our thoughts to tell and uh, not ask advice. So yeah, obviously uh, as, as often I am preaching to myself. In these shows. So great question though. Well, Hey, I, I want to take a, yeah. uh, take a little turn here, dad. This one is uh well, here's a question Taylor made for you. You ready? All right. All right. He says, uh, and I didn't get the guy's name. He says, thanks so much for, uh, well, he gives us some great kudos on the show. Thank you for that. He says, my situation may be outside the scope of your topic. Here it is. I'm 60 years old. Find myself starting over in life for 14 years. I was primary caregiver for my parents that season is now over. I know in our culture right now, that's uh, a common theme of folks taking care of, of their folks. Um, I've always been a naturally energetic, optimistic and encouraging person, but whether through life or age or grief, I'm having a hard time getting back into the swing of things. It's been nine months now. So while I know some element of grief will always be with me, it's definitely time to get on with living and more specifically earning a living. I can't seem to come up with a dream to focus on the why that will pull me into doing the work required for whatever. As a writer and editor, I can get excited about individual client projects, but feel I'm kind of blowing wherever the wind goes at the moment. Meanwhile, I've been binge listening to this podcast and others to try and get my head back in the game and volunteering some at church. Any other suggestions
1: for someone like me to respond well to life? Wow. Yeah. There's a whole lot of questions, a whole lot of content shared in that brief message there. The first thing I would do is to challenge your listener in that he's not starting over. That really is an unhealthy way to look at it. At 60 years old, you can't turn the clock back to when you were 18. Now, that's a positive thing, not a negative thing. That means that you have a whole lot of life experience from which to draw. That's a positive. You got to be able to look back and see recurring themes in things that you're drawn to times. Now you, you, you described circumstances that he was kind of forced into and rightfully so being a responsible son, I mean, wonderful that he took care of his parents. But in looking back over those 60 years, what are the things that are recurring themes when he felt like he was really in the zone? Mm. We talk about athletes being in the zone. And you just feel like everything comes together You got to be able to recognize that. Was that when he was around elderly people, when he was around kids, when he was around animals, when he's outside nature, when he's working on things rather than being around people at all? doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. But identify what are those recurring themes? What are the things that when he's doing it, time just flies by? And with those, you ought to be able to get some clear indication about what his unique skills and abilities are. Even if he hasn't been in a traditional workforce for 14 years, that's okay. There were still things in that that he was doing if it was transportation, if it was coordinating appointments, you know, if it was giving back massages, you know, or or making sure medicines were taken correct. Look at the things that you were doing that could be transferable areas of competence so that you identify what are unique skills and abilities that you have, personality tendencies, how do you relate to other people, what kind of environments are you most comfortable in, how do you manage, how do you sell, and then what are those recurring values, dreams, and passions. But that's a wonderful starting point to draw a line in the sand at 60 years old, take a fresh look at how God has uniquely gifted you, create a clear focus from what you know about yourself, and go into the most productive 20 years of your life. But now the first requirement is to look internally. 85% of the process here is to look inward, not outward. Don't be concerned about who's hiring, where the best business opportunities are. That comes way down the road. Look inward. I would rather help somebody do a really good job of growing dandelions if that's really what they care about rather than trying to talk them into being a computer programmer because we know that's where there are great jobs, Follow your passion. If you don't know clearly what your passion is, follow your curiosity. What are things that you find yourself reading? Who are the kind of people you like to spend time with? Follow your curiosity, and it'll help give you clarity on those things. Your skills and abilities, personality, tendencies, values, dreams, and passions. From those, create a clear focus. And then find environments that embrace those things you know about yourself, and you'll be a superstar. Love it. I love it. I love that thing of that. You're not starting over.
0: You've got wisdom to use. And even for those people who think that, oh gosh, you know, I've been doing that. Like this guy for whatever he said, 12 or 14 years, I've been in a holding pattern. I haven't gotten anything. No way you you've learned a lot. And again, reminds me of my wife, mommy for 21 years, mostly at home homeschooling yet. She took that. And in the past year and a half leveraged that into getting her master's degree. And she now has a position as a research associate at a national research firm, and she's already sitting on top of her thesis for her upcoming doctorate. I I love that, that she wasn't starting over, man. She took where she was and went forward. But on the, on the knowing yourself aspect, folks, I would highly encourage you to go to 48 days.com. My dad's website and, uh, check, I think a lot of resources there. I mean, check it all out, but, uh, the book 48 days, of the work you love would be great, uh, for this guy who, who submitted here, but also the disc profile, which you guys sell those things like hotcakes. Um, I, I would really encourage you guys get the disc profile there. Um, but then also in my, my one thought, just to f- follow up with what you said that there, dad is to. Don't wait for this guy. Don't wait till he has it figured out. Just start getting some of this in line, knowing yourself, uh, and then take some action. Go try some things. Don't, don't sit there until you've figured out the thing because you probably won't. It'll come in pieces.
1: You know, with, with your listener there, if you get his mailing address, I would be delighted to send him an autographed, fresh, brand-new, off-the-press copy of 48 Days to the Working Love, the brand-new version.
0: Awesome. Hey,
1: uh, thank
0: you, Dad. Well, so uh, for you, and again, I didn't get the name. It was just a, a submission, I think, on our website. Okay. Um, so he can go to. You can, if you want to tell me, hey, I'm that guy, and email me at ask uh, askatzigshow.com. Or is there a address
1: he can just go straight to you, Dad? Ask Dan at 48 days.com. Just do that. Ask Dan at 48 days. Say, I'm the guy. Now, what am I going to do if I get 30 people that say I'm the guy? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea.
0: <laughs> there you go, folks. Uh, this is an honesty and integrity test. Right Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is a question from Keenan Roop. It says, I want to start my first business. I think I have the resources to do it. I have a basic understanding of the market. Uh, but I know that there's a vast gap of unknown unknowns. I believe I have the stubbornness to overcome these obstacles. I would like to start a website selling home green energy solutions. I have designs and plans and I'm developing a business plan, but I must know more before I begin. And I am uh, searching for the correct questions to ask. I'm standing at the precipice ready and dreading the leap to the American dream. Will you give me some ideas for ways to hone my energy until I realized Final goal. Help me motivate my true performance. There's a gauntlet. Wow,
1: I'm ready and <laughs> dreading. Is that an actual phrase I, that you read? I just I'm, I've copied and pasted. Yep. I love that. I'm ready and dreading. Well, you've just described the entrepreneurial process. Huh. You know, it, it's uh, every day is terror and exhilaration. That's not going to leave. That's going to always be there because they are going to be in the kind of venture that you're describing. There are going to be unknowns every single day. It's not a matter of learning enough and then you're ready to do this. My encouragement is don't wait, start today. The best way to learn what your prospective customers want and need is to start interacting with them. Let them know what you're doing. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to have it perfect. All the products that I have I started with what what is called – now, Eric Ries in the book The Lean Startup talks about a minimally viable product – We need to do that. Too many people wait until to get wait to get it perfect and they miss the window of opportunity. They dilute their own passion and all of a sudden things happen and they don't pull the trigger. Get in the game. I mean, I started 48 days to the work you love. That first version was something that I took my rough Sunday school notes to Kinko's, printed off copies, we put a hard stock cover on it, spiral bound it, and I started selling it for 24.95. It was so unprofessional. There was nothing well done about it. But I started with that. It went through about six or seven different iterations before it got even to the final three-ring binder form where I did sell a couple million dollars worth of that. And then we went into a published agreement with a publisher. But I, I never tried to make it perfect. I just gave people what they were asking for. And I would encourage your listener there, just get in the game. Just start with what you've got right now you'll know way more six months from now by talking to people who are prospects of yours. than you'll ever figure out on your own being behind the scenes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, My, my question
0: Keenan was, uh, you know, in this, I want to start my first business. Are you looking at just diving in? Maybe you have the resources to do that. Um, I've definitely done that in the past for better and worse and worse. Um, or is it something you need to start part-time so you're not fully reliant on the success of it right away? I think a lot of people tend to do that, and most things take a little while. So uh, having it as a part-time gig while you do your day job, I think generally works out well. But then also to look at, you you mentioned um, home green energy solutions. I know there's a lot of opportunity in that arena right now. Uh, so you may feel like you, you understand the need and the desire and the demand, but I would just make sure you confirm that what is happening in that, in that arena and to pay attention to who's succeeding and how you stack up, how you compete. We hear a lot about USP. What's your unique selling proposition? Why would they buy it from you? Uh, and make sure that that's, that that's desired, uh, for sure. But, um, Goodness, I love that, Dad. Minimal, minimally viable product. And it makes me think, I remember your three-ring binders uh, of your first product. And, of course, we often talk about on the Zig Show, the, what you had and what you listened to and what you cut my teeth on were those old Zig Ziglar cassettes of those horrific recordings. But, man, the content was good, and we all benefited from it uh, uh, immensely. So thank you.
1: Absolutely.
0: Here's one, uh, great, a great, uh, question again, what does it mean to deal with fear and rejection in practical terms? How does one dance with their fear and sit in that tension and still operate and achieve excellent performance? And I thought that was a great question coming off of what you repeated a second ago, dad, from Kenan that I have uh, what was it again? I am, uh, Ready and dreading. Uh, ready and dreading. So there you go. How do I dance with fear and rejection and sit in that tension and still operate and achieve excellent performance? So that's from Kelvin.
1: All right. Yeah. Got a lot of ideas on that. Do it. Don't expect the fear to go away and don't try to make it disappear. Dance with the fear. <clears throat> One of the things that we, we talk about is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Do it afraid. That's how you overcome it. Yeah. W. Clement Stone, you know, who started Success Magazine, used to talk about uh, do what you fear and fear disappears. You know, There's a lot of cliches about it, but we all deal with fear. And again, the desired goal is not to wake up and never have fear. If I'm going to walk up on stage in front of an audience and speak, Zig talked about that. He never got to the point where he just took that for granted. Hey, this is old hat. He's just going to walk up there. He he talked about always feeling butterflies, but he just wanted to get the butterflies to fly in formation. That's what I do with fear is I want to understand it. I don't want it to stop me, but I want it to, I want to recognize it for what it is because it should make me sharper. It should make me more aware of what I'm going to do. I never take casually, the responsibility of coaching somebody or speaking into their life or writing a book or speaking. Those are things that still conjure up fear in me, but I'm comfortable with that. It reminds me of both sides of the equation and I think prompts me to be better in what I do. Gosh, that's great. Always have butterflies. Just let them fly
0: in formation. I am flying out tomorrow for a, a consulting A gig with a medical practice. And it's something where I have no pressure, sweet people. They are so excited to have me come out. They're paying me very well. And I know my stuff and yet, yeah, it's on my mind. It's, it's, it's a little anxiety there because it's a, you know, it's a place to perform and I'm comfortable, but the butterflies are there, but to have them fly in formation, I I got to tell the kids that that's a good one.
1: I'm sure you can find that in the Ziegler archives where he talks about that. Okay. (laughs) love it. Love it.
0: Um, this is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to end us dad by, by conglomerating three short questions because to me they have a similar thread. Uh, so let me just read the three off. This is from Berlin Rodriguez. Okay. So three questions. He says, what is the best way to find the job you are best at? Donald May then came right after it said, what, where's the best place to start in sales? And then next Tasha Howell says, how does one get started in a career in motivational speaking? And I lumped those together because being your son for as long as I have been and hearing some of these questions, I could hear some very similar answers to all three of those or or a similar thread of your answer to all three of those. I heard it in my head. Uh, and so I lumped them together and thought that'd be a great place to end. So if you want to hit those as an, in an overall aspect or piece by
1: piece, um, your call. All right. right. Well, they're, they're great questions. And Berlin asking, you know, how do you find, you know, work that you love? Again, you follow what you know about yourself. Don't expect it to be an external thing where you are just, Oh, here's a hot trend. You know, there are a lot of things that are available today that we wouldn't have even been able to describe five years ago that are in terms of opportunity. So it's not a matter of sitting down when you're 18 years old and just figuring this out. It's an ongoing journey. But the way you navigate the ongoing journey is by knowing what you know about yourself. The more introspective you can be, the better tools you have for navigating these inevitable changes. So that's the first thing. But be committed that you can do work that you love. I have a lot of people question me on that. I mean, that's my central message is – to be doing work that you love. And I have people question me on that, both from a philosophical, psychological, theological perspective, all of those. I recently did a segment where I titled it, I think God wants me to be miserable, where it seems to be there are a lot of people who question their own sense of joy or passion and thinking that surely that can't be God's will, that God's will is something sacrificial, something we would hate and detest my gosh, that's that's not not a god that I want to serve, and it's certainly not how I understand the Bible or theology, a theological perspective. But recognize what you know about yourself, and let that guide you in terms of work that you really enjoy. In terms of uh, being a motivational speaker, I mean, some of the a couple of the questions you, you that know, you had there, Dad. Wait a minute, can I can I interrupt
0: you there? Sure, because you said something there in regards to this work you love and how people debate it with you. And so let me, let me ask, well, no, let me just showcase something. So you, I saw you as my dad, I saw you do things that you, that you enjoyed things that you loved. Um, and I saw you do a lot of different things, a lot of different businesses and yet what you are doing now, which you have been in essence doing for how long now?
1: Um, almost 30 years,
0: almost 30 years. Okay. Seeing you do that. I have a mental image, uh, from a, from a real time of you. Getting to write, I think it was 48 days to the work you love, you know, after you'd been selling, you know, you'd sold a million bucks or whatever of the three ring binder, but now you're actually for a publisher writing it. You went into a room, this is, you're on your own, you have, you're surrounded in your study by books probably 20 open at one time that you're laboring through and getting ideas and calling from and creating your masterpiece, writing all things that you absolutely love to do. And yet I would venture to say, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, it might've been some of the hardest work you ever did that you labored over, you sweat over, you poured over. And so work you love, when I look at that, the work I love that really has meaning uh, in my experience also, it's some of the hardest stuff I have ever done. It's not easy. And I think, and I think that's, I hear so often that grappled with, uh, it's just going to be easy and fun and like play, man, not in my arena. Some of it is, but some of the best work, the most that I love that I am, I have devoted myself
1: to has been very hard. Oh, absolutely. God, oh, I love the way you frame that Kevin, because Yeah, it doesn't mean that it's just like sitting around, you know, eating chocolate ice cream all day long, doing work that you love. Work that you love ought to pull the very best that you have to offer, and that ought to go very deep. Now, there's two things I want to throw in here really quick. I love how this is set up because when Tasha talks about she wants to be a motivational speaker, that you're not going to put together a resume and go get a job. That means you have to position yourself. As an independent speaker, go find organizations that would potentially pay you, market yourself, get yourself there, refine your presentations, all that. So you're talking about creating work that you love rather than finding, which are the two options that I always tell people we want to look for. Sure, try to find it. But if you can't find it, then create it and do it on your own. But in doing it on your own, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have a hard day, that you're never going to feel the fear like we were just talking about they're going to be that as well. Now, what I do is I divide my week very clearly in how I'm going to spend it. One of the things that is fairly new for me is how I'm spending the rest of this year and will continue into next year. That coaching sessions, all the things that I'm where I have public contact happen on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I am totally off the radar, and that's where I do my deep work. A Deep Work is the title of a book that Cal Newport wrote recently. I love, love, loved his theory about we tend to be so on the surface that we don't get into the areas where we do our best work. Most of us deal with interruptions all day long, five days a week. In our work week, we never really go deep. I do. I go deep. That means I am struggling. It's like a the... Caterpillar trying to get out of the cocoon and turn into a butterfly. I mean, it's that kind of struggle to produce something that matters, to research, to think, to talk, you know, to go deep in what I do. That's the only way I'm going to produce something of value. Is it easy? Well, we almost have to get into the definition of easy. Is it something, I mean, work is only work if if you'd rather be doing something else. So in that sense, I'm never working because I want to do what I'm doing. Hold on. I want
0: want to pull that out. Work is only work. If you'd rather be doing something else, that may be old hat to you. I don't think I've ever heard it framed that way. And And I love that because yeah, again, some of the work and I'll even put it, I I'm amazed at myself sometimes that I think this is work that I have the margin to do. I have the ability. I would do it for free. I am so excited. And yet I can also just fidget around with busy stuff because to go down that rabbit hole is hard work, but would I rather be doing something else? Oh my gosh, no. So I love Say it again. Say that quote again.
1: Work is only work if and if you'd rather be doing something else. Okay. That's um, great. And so is it hard? Yes. But hard things produce great results. If it were easy, even though it's something unique to me, something I absolutely love doing, if it were easy, I would question the value of it.
0: Love it. Okay. I'm, I'm sitting here typing like this is where I've gotten into the habit now of doing excerpts from the show at the beginning and I'm pulling them right here. One and two, I'm also going to take this clip and pull it out and send it to your, uh, two oldest grandchildren. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mike, my oldest kids. Uh, it's great. Uh, all of it is man, this, uh, this topic right here, uh would be a great show in and of itself and folks again talking about questions this to me is a can of worms because i feel like you're doing such a justice to something that i constantly see being hit on okay matter of fact last show folks this is show 428 so i think it was show 427 unless i'm wrong it's 426 i did another It was our second interview with roy h williams one of my favorite guys and um and in that, he talked about this issue of, uh, you know, working at your passions, finding your passion, working on it. And he, and he vehemently does not like that terminology and that phrase. He says, oftentimes, if you just follow your passions, you're going to end up in jail. Uh, but, uh, but then he goes and talks about that and then he does great justice to it. And you talking about this at work you love and defining it in this way, I think is a, is a, is a great uh, freedom for people to, to reconcile this because you know, man, this is a topic that keeps getting kind of mulled over and I feel like we're doing it a disservice and we're, we're getting some people leading people away from it and saying, no, you know, if it's going to be valid work, it's just going to kind of suck. And I think that's the tragedy of the universe. And yet for you to put it in these
1: terms is, uh, we should probably do a show just on this. Well, I'd love to, obviously this is a real sweet spot for me, a topic I love to address, As you know, one of my book titles is Wisdom Meets Passion. Mm -hmm. Roy H. Williams is correct in that passion, unbridled, can be very dangerous. I mean, passion can be the 18-year-old on a Harley that he just got, you know, going down a freeway on the back tire at 90 miles an hour with no helmet. Yeah, he'd say, oh, my gosh, that's raw passion. Yeah, and a split second can change the trajectory of that young guy's life. It can be very dangerous. It has to be shaped and directed by wisdom. I mean, that's the power of wisdom, but without passion, I still maintain, you know, my position that you cannot do work effectively. You cannot do your best work without passion. Mm -hmm. There are people trying to make case for just see what the world needs, you know, just fulfill a need, boom, just do something that you know you can do well. I've spent many years working with Physicians, attorneys, dentists, pastors who have proven their ability, they've proven their talent, they've created an economic model that allows them to live well, and they hate the life that they've Mm -hmm. created because there's no passion at all. I think it's one of the three legs of a stool, Mm -hmm. and without it, the stool is going to fall over every time. You cannot sustain work for which you have no passion. So I'll, I'll stick to my guns on that forever. Does it need wisdom to shape? Absolutely. It needs some parameters around it, but absolutely. And thus, I counter the people who come to me and say, well, I don't think God wants me to be happy. You know, we're just here to do what he wants, not what we want. And so that opens up that can of worms. And I think, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, what kind of a God are you trying to serve? One that would, I mean, think of that in terms of being a daddy. Would you tell your son, you know, you, you, you're getting ready for Christmas and you know he really wants a new Lego set. And you say, no, you know, you need these flip cards that teach you math skills. You know, I know that's what you wanted. And I know it's Christmas. No, this is what I think you need. I know it's not something you enjoy, but just live with it. Are you kidding me? You would never do that as a daddy. And I can't imagine a heavenly father who would treat us any differently.
0: Okay. So what's the scripture there? Uh, it, it was, uh, if, if your son or something asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Would you give him a stone? It's not likely.
0: Okay. Well, you can't leave us hanging there. You said passion's
1: one of of three legs. Oh. The other (laughs) other two. Come on. Passion, talent, and money. That's the combination that we're looking for. Lacking any one of those, you're going to have a two-legged stool. It's going to fall over. If you have passion and talent, but no money, you got a hobby. I mean, that's okay, but recognize it for what it is. It's not a career. It's not a business. It's just a hobby.
0: Okay. Say, the, you, say those three again.
1: Passion, talent,
0: and money. All right. There's the title of a show right there. So All right. we got to do that one.
1: We can do that. Okay. We can have fun with that. Uh, solicit questions from your listeners on that. We'll have fun with that. Got to have all three. Okay. Absolutely wait. guaranteed.
0: Yeah. For, again, let us know, let us know. You can hit me up, ask at uh, zigshow.com for that. Okay. One last question. And so on that passion, I think to some essence, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again, uh, that Roy s- says in essence, what you did on passion. So we, are you saying that in this, it's a necessary fuel, but not necessarily the focal point in and of itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. See, again, if you get stuck there, I mean, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. How many people here are passionate about music? Well, they're, they're passionate about it, and they're living in a cardboard box under the bridge because they've not addressed the other two legs of the stool. So passion by itself is really not very meaningful. It's, it's the fuel, but it's simply to go along with the other two legs of the stool.
0: Okay. Well, folks, um, on this 48 days.com is where you can find out more about my dad, Dan Miller. If you're not signed up there for his weekly newsletter, that's been going out forever. It is, uh, it's always a joy to read. And I say that as unbiasedly as possible. Uh, but, uh, I read it every week and, uh, so do a ton of other people. Please go to 48 days.com and you'll see a lot of resources that we talked about today. You'll see others that you don't know. They've got upcoming events that are often, uh, booked out and sold out, but you can see far enough ahead to get involved with one dad. Thank you as always for doing this. It's
1: a blast to do it. And I always, uh, learn so much and, uh, thank you. Well, it's always a special privilege for me to do it with you, Kevin, obviously, You know, it's a delight to watch you with your own children. These cycles of generations go by quickly. Mm. And remember all the Ziegler principles that we gently fed you as a little kid and now to see it come full circle where you're living it out and passing it on to your kids, my grandkids. Wow, what a amazing opportunity so it's a special privilege to be on with
0: you thanks dad and folks thanks for being with us as we walk together and inspiring our true performance i'll talk with you on the next ziggler show